for listening. If you are new, welcome. I've been hosting this podcast since 2013 where I talk to fascinating people about all sorts of things. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you so much. It's so cool of you to come back every week. Hopefully you subscribe and share it with your friends if you like it, if it makes you laugh, if you learn something, if it makes you feel less alone. That would be really cool. Okay, today on the podcast, I have Jenna Weiss-Berman. She is a really amazing podcast producer and the co-founder of Pineapple Street Media. And she was formerly the director of audio at BuzzFeed. We'll get into all of this. She's worked with everyone from Lena Dunham on a podcast to Hillary Clinton. They made the very famous podcast Missing Richard Simmons on Pineapple Street. And I got to go to their studio and record this so you'll hear that the audio is really great. And I just had a great time talking to Jenna. So before we get into that and the episode, I want to tell you about a thing that I made. And if you listened last week, you already know about it, but I made a thing, you guys. It's a workshop called Launchpad, a launchpad for your podcast. And I spent the winter in a cocoon making this. I talked to about 12 other podcasters, experts who have been doing this longer than I have, and I asked them to really open up the kimono and share everything that they've learned about podcasting. I also recorded eight modules of everything that I've learned, everything from naming your podcast, coming up with a concept, being consistent with something for five years, emailing guests that you want to have on the show, how I manage all of that. I give you my exact email templates and Excel trackers and then monetizing the podcast and covering your costs and reaching out to sponsors. And we actually talk a little bit about these things in the episode with Jenna. It's a great episode. We do talk about podcasting a bit, which is fitting that I wanted to mention LaunchPod because It's a nice inside baseball look at podcasting, but we also talk about following your dreams and taking risks and parenting, and it's a great episode, but I wanted to mention LaunchPod at the beginning of this because there's early bird pricing, so you still have a couple weeks to sign up, but the price is going to go up at the end to get people to actually, it's just a little bit, but if you want to do it, sign up now so you can save some money, and because you are a listener of this podcast, I want to give you a discount code, just like another sponsor for this podcast would do, even though the sponsor is this thing that I made, LaunchPod. So if you are at all curious about starting a podcast, if you know someone who is curious about starting a podcast, I think you should do it. I've said this many times, but it's the greatest thing I've ever done. It's given me so much. I think podcasting is the new networking, and I want to bring as many more people to this medium as possible. So send this to someone you know who might want to start one, buy it for them maybe, buy it for yourself, and if you want to save $100, use the code LETITOUT at checkout, that's the name of this podcast, Let It Out, and that will give you $100 off, and do it in the next week or so because the price is going to go up because of this early bird special that we're offering. Anyway, 
Amanda and Danica and I worked really hard on making this. So at least check out the website. It's launchpod.club. And I'm really proud of it. My friend Laura made the website. And there's a lot of information there. You can even take a mini course tour, which gives you a lot of the beginning of the course for free. And you can do that and you don't have to, you know, pay anything. You can try it out and see what it's like. I really, really hope that you like this episode. Follow me on Instagram because I have some updates there. I'm doing an event this Thursday. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out tomorrow at The Wing, the Dumbo location. The Wing is this great place. It's a co-working space for women only and self-identifying women. And I am doing an event there with a couple of my friends. I'm leading a panel on podcasting. So if you are a member of The Wing, come to the Dumbo location on Thursday night at 7. I will be there and I can't wait to see you and meet you. And I'm also hosting, I am the MC for the Good Fest in Philly on August 11th. So if you're going to Good Fest, I can't wait to meet you. I think we're going to do a meetup this year after Good Fest. We'll do a dinner somewhere and it'll just be a fun time where everyone who listens to the podcast can meet each other and I can meet everyone and it'll just be really chill and nice. So if you're in Philly, come to that for sure. Also come to Good Fest for $15 off a ticket. I'm not an affiliate, but this just gives you a discount if you want to come. It's Katie Dalebout. That's my name, Katie Dalebout15 for $15 off your Good Fest ticket. They always sell out and they might already be sold out by the time you're listening to this, but check it out. Try to get $15 off if you can. Check out LaunchPod, $100 off. Let it out is the code. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Enjoy my conversation with Jenna. have to tell you about one of my favorite brands, Care-of Vitamins. You might already know and love them like I do, but if not, Care-of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. Vitamins can fill the important gaps your body might be missing from its food or give you an extra boost where you need it. To figure out what supplements can help you feel your best, simply go to Care-of's website and you take this super short, fun quiz. It asks you questions about your lifestyle, everything from how much you sleep to how much you poop, and from there, it recommends to you in minutes exactly what vitamins can help you feel your best. All the recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from doctors and nutritionists. I love the packaging and design of everything Care-of makes. Your supplements will come to you in these beautiful, individually wrapped, personalized packets. I love them when I'm traveling and really just every day since I'm always on the go. And I think you will love them too. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the code Katie. Again, that's for 25% off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins. Visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the code Katie. That's K-A-T-I-E, just in case you didn't know how to spell my name. Hey, well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad we finally found a time and it's been so great just talking to you so far. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Great. So what have you been realizing, learning, contemplating, like in the last, thinking about in the last week or month? I like to start in the present. Oh, just like 
in Yeah, what's general? been on your mind? What's something maybe you heard on a podcast or have been talking about? What's been like something that's really present for you? Podcasting? <laughs> you do? I think about it a lot. Yeah. It's kind of what I think about like 80% of the time, actually. <laughs> Me too. And probably like a lot of, probably not as much as you, but a, a lot of people are thinking about it more now. Yeah. Well, it's it's a really amazing and insane time for it. So yeah. It's fun. Talk about that more. So what are you, what are you talking about this weekend at South by Southwest on this panel? Is it about that and the growth of podcasting? Um, the panel this weekend is going to be, I should know a little more because it's like in two days, but <laughs> <laughs> it's basically about um, sort of like longer form media in kind of like a tweet driven landscape I think is the name is something like that so they want me to talk about I mean I think what's interesting about podcasting in that um, context is like it the to like listen to a podcast takes such a deeper level of engagement than so many forms of media right now so like you read a tweet takes like you know maybe two seconds and then you listen to a podcast takes maybe an hour Um, Something I think is interesting about it is I feel like people are excited about podcasting partially because it's a medium that is really hard to troll. Yeah. And there's so much like trolling going on right now in the world. Um, And I remember like when I was at BuzzFeed, we started this show called Another Round and it was it's a great show. I love it. It's hosted by two amazing black women. I think that's how I've found you oh just cool your, yeah yeah it's hosted by um so by heaven nagatu and tracy clayton who are like just like very cool and um wonderful and it's an amazing show uh but they talked a lot about how like you know on twitter they were they would always they're like two like you know young black women and they have a lot to say and they're very you know anti-racist obviously and they, um, you know, people really like come after them in like these disgusting ways on Twitter. And then when they started the podcast, it was just like this amazing outpouring of love because it's like, if you're somebody who wants to troll someone, you're not going to spend an hour listening to their podcast. (laughs) So the people who spend an hour listening to a podcast are usually the people that really like want to engage with that person and really love them. So, um, so I think it's 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 like kind of a just sweet and friendly place to be in that way. Yeah, it's so funny. I've never even really thought about it in that way. I knew that like intuitively, but I've never heard it articulated where I've had almost no negativity on the podcast because my my shows are usually and I know you don't have time today, but like almost 2 hours long and if someone oh. stays to the end, I always say an emoji at the end for them to to tweet at me if they've been listening because I'm always shocked when people are but they do and I've never gotten you know every once in a while someone will say something about what the guest said that they maybe don't agree with which is great but you have to be pretty invested to spend that much time engaging with something yeah and well and even like I'm I'm very open to criticism of like the shows that I work on if it's thought if I can tell that somebody has really listened I think like most trolling comes from people who haven't even really paid attention to what you're saying. So I like, I'm very, I love getting podcast criticism. Actually. I always find it really weird when like filmmakers are like, I don't read reviews because I like read the shit out of reviews. I read like everything people are saying on iTunes and everything people are writing about. And 
it shapes a lot of what we do. I mean, like we did this show, Missing Richard Simmons, that um, became quite controversial. It was basically us looking for fitness guru Richard Simmons and uh, he who sort of disappeared. I mean, spoiler alert, we found him. He's in his house. (laughs) Um, But it ended up being like this crazy thing that you know kind of blew up and lots of people listened to it it was like on the cover of people magazine which we absolutely had no idea what happened we just were like well let's make a weird thing about this like weird guy um but it was actually really helpful to read criticism of it throughout and we changed episodes based on what we read so we sort of we started off really like as these like goofy underdogs like looking for this this guy and then by the end so many people were listening and it was this like kind of cultural moment for the podcast and we were like oh we're we're no longer the underdogs and we can't really like act that way anymore so then we i mean we actually like we killed our entire final episode in large part based on like what people were saying about the show like you know, people were complaining that we were like stalking this person. And um, yeah, so we redid the episode around that. So I actually think criticism is really important to read. And um, I, there's a lot that I, I mean, I've, there was, there's been some stuff that I've just like disagreed with so much. And I, I don't think that we did anything unethical with that show. Um, but then you know there was like a New Yorker piece that was like kind of critical and also like this is very entertaining and um and I really loved reading her criticism and like learned a lot from that that's Sarah Larson at the New Yorker who writes really well about podcasts. yeah I think when people are really good at writing criticism it can be it can be art itself and I think and obviously you can learn from it and it's really cool to see that or to hear that you are malleable and listen and I think that makes the best work when people take feedback well. Yeah I've always liked reading cultural criticism and it's weird when you're on the on the side that's being culturally criticized but it's I mean it's yeah it makes you sort of I remember at first I was like well you know like we considered all of this stuff that you're saying and like you know and like do you know I wanted to just be like do you know how hard it was to make this thing like we thought about all of this stuff and we like decided to do something else but I I value cultural yeah yeah okay I want to go back to before podcasts existed and the beginning and your beginning so this is really just a love letter to you (laughs) so you, I think, like me, grew up in a college town. I did, Northampton, Massachusetts. Okay. So what were you like as a kid? What was growing up there like? Did you, what did you want to be when you grew up back then? Um, I did always really like radio. It's, I don't have a very interesting story because it's like my parents listened to public radio all the time. I was in like a liberal college town. I'm sort of exactly the person who's like going to end up in public radio, <laughs> which is where I was for a long time before I switched over to like um, podcasting only. Um, I was a crazy, I was a pretty crazy kid. I got kicked out of three preschools. Oh, wow. Yeah, what weird. did you do? One, I hit a kid with like a tape recorder. A tape recorder. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, I was already doing. um, Yeah. (laughs) Another one, I, well, okay. Another one, I 
I wanted to walk around naked while I ate lunch and I wanted all the other kids Fair. to do it. So I like I was like asked, <laughs> I was fun. like trying to get everyone to like <laughs> rebel and take off all their clothes and eat their lunch naked and finally they were like we can't have her here. Oh my <laughs> like God. it's hard to put a bunch of kids clothes back on them every day. Uh, I want to see a movie of that. <laughs> yeah. And a <laughs> third I got kicked out of a Waldorf school for gender nonconformity, which is really I don't recommend those schools. Yeah. Uh Ooh. it was like they were very into like girls do this and boys do this and I was like really into trying to do everything boys were doing and they were like they called my parents and they were like um like Jenna is not she's not like doing the things that she's supposed to be doing Ew. like gender wise and my parents were like fuck you yeah good <laughs> yeah so good and yeah and then I found a school that was great and um, my dad always says like the only time he was really embarrassed of me was when I, when we went to the orientation for that school, it was like two hours long and I stayed in character as a dog the entire <laughs> time. <laughs> it's like, like, I was like licking people. It was like, I was like an insane child, I think. Um, but it's funny, like when I was, <laughs> when I was like 12, I got very into Ani DeFranco and I did this thing where I like took I like I, I I was like audio editing early on. I took like every time she said fuck and I put it into a compilation. I yeah. I like recorded onto tape from my CDs just when she said fuck and I got I did I there were like 20 of them in a row and my dad was like really proud of it. That's impressive at 12. <laughs> That's impressive <laughs> it was, now. It's <laughs> a weird thing to do. But it was like my dad like sh- told all his friends he's like Jenna's amazing. She I have ex- in unbelievably supportive parents. Like yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous, but he was like, "She's so amazing. She made this like compilation of like Ani DeFranco saying fuck," and all his friends were like, "What the hell are you talking about? That sounds weird." Did he play it for them? Yeah, he did. <laughs> he was like really excited about it. But uh, I think like when I look back on it, that was like I was like audio editing, and I was excited. Yeah. Like I was like, "Oh, this is so cool," and it was like this sort of like. It was like mechanically interesting and just I was having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I like intern or I like volunteered for our public radio and um, station. And then I started when I was like 14, I just started like I started listening to college radio to the Smith College radio station. And I would like call in. I had all th- and then I like had all these friends who were like in college were like really excited that like some like nerdy 14 year old is calling in being like play Slater Kinney <laughs> but I like I got really into that and then I started like volunteering there and then you know I was a teenager and becoming friends with all these like cool Smith College girls who had awesome radio shows and when I went to college I ran the radio station at Oberlin so um yeah so I guess radio was always in my life but I didn't it was weird because I did have these really supportive parents who were like, you could do anything, but they didn't have much money and I really wanted to make money and I didn't see this as something that was going to do that for me. Like public radio is not yeah. a place people look for like making money. So when I got out of college, I, I got a job at a law firm, um, at a corporate law firm as like a financial collector, <laughs> which I don't talk about that much now. <laughs> and I actually loved it. I w- it was me like calling like huge banks to be like, you owe us $4 million. And like, when are, when are you going to get your money? And I was like 22 and didn't know what the hell it's I was It's probably doing. a good skill to have. It was a great skill yeah. to have. And then w- you'd watch the money come in and it was such a thrill for me to be like, <laughs> 
like sometimes they would put they didn't like get who I was and they'd like be like they'd put like my name on the check <laughs> with like comma the law firm and yeah I was like oh my god I just check. made four million dollars yeah, totally but then I, I was like oh this is cool but then you know um I thought about going to law school and I'm really glad I didn't. I feel like that's something people do when they don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Like I know so many people. We actually have, I have multiple friends now who uh, were lawyers and then they quit law to do podcasting. So our intern right now was just like a incredibly well-paid corporate lawyer. And wow. she came here and makes $12 an hour and is so much happier. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. One of my best friends, she now is a... Uh, she just wrote a book and is a writer and does a bunch of things and was also an attorney. I feel like a lot of people have that, like, what do I do? I'll just do this. Totally. I'm so glad I didn't do that. But I, I started a job at StoryCorps or an internship at StoryCorps when I was still working at the law firm. So I'd go to StoryCorps in the mornings and then the law firm let me like work in the afternoons basically. So I would do like four hours at StoryCorps or six hours at the law firm. Um, And then three months into that StoryCorps, which was a new company, hired me and I was there for almost five years. So that was really how the radio, the like radio and audio stuff turned into a real job. Yeah. So I've heard you speak before about the, so you had this internship at StoryCorps that you were talking about that was meaningful in your work. And I think I've heard you talk about the intern system and specifically why having a diverse staff starts with paying interns fairly and how that's good for both creating quality content and also growing your audience and and even the bottom line. Can you talk about that and when and how you became aware of that? Was it in your own intern experience? It was. I mean, I just think it's obscene that people, like, I see what interns do. They're not just there to, like, learn and, you you know, they're there to work. (laughs) and got to pay them and I you know and I don't I don't think you have to, I'm not saying if, that people have to pay interns like crazy amounts of money but there are so many places that don't pay interns at all or they pay them like you know like a, a transportation stipend of like $20 a week yeah. or something um, and I just that's always really bothered me and actually at Pineapple my company Pineapple Street Media we it's been fun to like kind of take our values from that we like learned in past jobs about like what we do and don't want (laughs) and apply them here. So ideal. Yeah. So my business partner, Max and I, um, we actually paid our interns before we paid ourselves here. (laughs) And that was, that was important to me. And we're doing something now for the first time. We're actually looking for people to apply. We've gotten a ton of applicants. Yeah. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. We're, we're starting a fellowship for like underrepresented voices in, in podcasting because it it has, the landscape really has changed a ton over the past couple of years in really exciting ways, but it still is definitely like, um, you know, the majority of hosts of shows are like middle-aged white men. Um, and we just want to help, with you know getting different voices in there so we're yeah it's an internship for underrepresented voices in podcasting it's actually yeah it's a fellowship pays three thousand dollars a month um and it's really like a a teaching experience and a learning experience and people should kind of think of it as like something to do maybe instead of grad school yeah (laughs) where you get paid instead of having to pay so we're really psyched about that and like people seem really excited about it we're just getting like tons of interest and so cool yeah but people should keep 
go to our website um, if you want to apply. Is it something that you think you'll continue to do every year? I hope so. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe even twice a year. Um, I mean, I think like, yeah, if you if you want to, I mean, people are in our industry are always kind of like, we need more people of color, you know, making shows and producing, and it's like they're out there, but yeah. you gotta like give them Help jobs, them. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, and we really, I think. Like, so many people in this industry are from, like, pretty high-income backgrounds, too. And that's another thing that we hope a fellowship can help with is, yeah. like, we basically are paying, like, you know, a living wage um, to, like, learn something new yeah. that you don't know anything about. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm excited about that. I think I read on there that you obviously would prefer someone with some audio experience, but that's not required. And I thought that that was really profound because someone might want to get into this but doesn't have the resources or hasn't been hasn't had the ability to get themselves that knowledge that they would learn it doing this and I thought that was really cool of you guys yeah mostly we just we're just looking for people who can like work hard and uh you know learn quickly hopefully and yeah you know and I think it's a goal for us to you know we'd love to be able to hire a person afterwards not not guaranteed but we you know, we're, we actually just hired a ton of people and need to stop for a little while, (laughs) but, um, but we want to like really help this person get like a job in audio for sure. So I, yeah, I mean, it's an experiment, like most things we do here and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. So what were your early years interning? Like, what did you really learn from your internship? And I got lucky because I really only interned for like two months before I got offered a job. Um, at, story core so I mean I had I I learned a lot and I think I realized like you gotta hustle really hard and show them that like let them see the yeah. work you've done and um I mean we've hired almost all of our interns now and I think yeah it's like a real I guess like the the thing we tell our interns here is like make yourself invaluable like mm. make make it so that yeah. we can't do we can't run this place without you <laughs> and they've almost all done that um and i think like that's i mean that's kind of my advice to interns too is like uh don't ask tons of questions all day long just like do the things that you see need need to be done and that maybe other people didn't even see needed to be done because they're too busy with other stuff and just show people like how much they need you. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's such valuable advice. So, and I think, and I think also too, you, you spoke about this before. I've heard you speak about this before, but when we were talking about internships and how you were really hustling, like you're a really hard worker and you've always been and had this worth work ethic of, doing your internship and working hard and then also supporting yourself making money and so I think these opportunities you're providing are allowing people to be able to be a better intern by giving them a wage that they can live on I with, hope so yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, and I'm basically just reiterating what you said no, it's but true. yeah I mean well I could talk a little bit about hard work stuff <laughs> yeah please, go ahead I mean I think audio podcasting is a very 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 exciting place to be right now because it's just like really blown up and you know I have like Gimlet I think to thank for a lot of that um there and you know like Serial was a huge deal in our community because I think people were like oh 
you can like do something that's like a massive hit that's a podcast that you know it costs money but it doesn't cost nearly what like a tv show would cost so people got really excited and then it's just like this thing that people are talking about so now we have all these documentary filmmakers coming to us being like can't really get people to care about our documentary films so like maybe we can try them as podcasts and that sounds really interesting but um it's a really great industry to be in and I, I meet with like young people all the time who are trying to get into this industry I'm, I'll talk to anyone just email me it's jenna at pineapple.fm <laughs> um and uh I, I think like a lot of them get kind of discouraged because it's not like an easy place to be when you're a beginner um but I guess what I did was I would have jobs usually in in some kind of audio, but I would also be doing like five other podcasts on the side. So I just remember I learned audio production skills and I put something on Facebook that was like, hey, I know how to do this thing. Like, does anyone need help making their podcast? And like multiple people from like companies and like magazines, just like my friends were like, yeah, can you help us? And so then like I started a podcast with the Believer magazine called The Organist and I started my friend actually at Facebook had um who like worked at Facebook asked me to make a Facebook podcast. So I think like just it's just really important to like let people know that you can do this thing and then just like oh, fucking hustle so hard. Like I just wanted to get my name on as many things as possible and and be able to be like you know, have like a name that people recognize if they listened to podcasts. It took a long time, but it was it took like many hours of hustling after work. So. What were those early years like? So you were doing a bunch of things. You went to school at Oberlin and then decided to move to New York. How did you know you wanted to, to be here? And what were your first, you know, few years living in New York like? Yeah, I don't even know if I wanted to be here. I was in a relationship with someone who was here. So I came here. <laughs> And now I can't imagine being anywhere else. I mean, it's the best place ever. And it's really like, it is really the center of podcasting. And I feel so lucky to be here because if I'd gone anywhere else, like no, nothing in podcasting good would have happened to me. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, it's always hard when you're trying to figure out what the hell you want to do. And I was just like, had this like sad law firm job and, you know, bumming around. Um, but yeah, but then when I started at StoryCorps, I was like, oh, you can do work that, like, pays you some money and also is interesting. And I got to travel, like, all around the country with StoryCorps recording. StoryCorps, for people who don't know, is um, it's like a national oral history project. And family members and friends, like, come into a recording booth and talk to each other about their lives. And... Um, clips of them are played on NPR nationally and then they all are archived at the Library of Congress so I got to travel around the country and just like meet amazing people and um yeah I was I think when I got out (laughs) actually here's here's a goofy story um when I was in college I had a friend who was studying cinema studies and creative writing and I studied politics and I was like oh I'm gonna go to law school and I remember talking to her and being like I think like you're making a big mistake by studying these things like you know it's just not logical like what you're going to be like a filmmaker like what are you even what are you talking about and that's Lena Dunham oh my gosh (laughs) so that was I think like seeing some of what she did I was like 
oh, like, it actually might be a good thing to, like, follow some of your dreams. Yeah. But it took me a really long time to get there. I think I was, like, it took me many, many years to be, like, oh, like, I should take risks and, like, yeah. try crazy things. And, like, being happy at work is, like, a thing that you can have. And yeah. I'm, like, so happy now. Mm. It's so, it's just, like, I love coming to work every day. I love everyone who works here. Um, and, yeah, I, I like... I, I would get, like, mad at people who would say, follow your dreams. I'd be like, well, like, that's easy if you're, like, a rich kid. But, like, but no. But I think if you really, like, are hardworking and you have a passion, it's good to try to do that. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I heard once on a podcast somebody said something like, follow your dreams, but also the dreams that are following you. And I think oh, that's, that's kind interesting. of... Like if if you if something's super far out and you don't have any momentum in that direction, like maybe that's not for you. That's but really if, right. Yeah. If over here is is kind of working, like maybe go for it. Well, yeah, follow your dreams and be realistic about them. Yeah. But that's interesting because when we started this company, like the dreams were yeah the dreams that were following me like were it was too, it like I I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I never wanted to have my own company, but it got to a point where it just would have been completely stupid to not start a company <laughs> because it was like those dreams had like followed me and yeah. grabbed up on me and were like, dude, do this thing. Yeah. So like when we started Pineapple Street, I was at BuzzFeed at the time running their audio department. After StoryCorps, I went to, I worked at Simon & Schuster for a bit doing audiobooks. Then I went to The Moth and produced their radio show. And then I did a bunch of like side stuff in between at like NPR and the New Yorker. And then I started a podcast department at BuzzFeed. And that's where we made another round. We made Women of the Hour with my old friend Lena Dunham that we then took to my new company. Um, Will that be coming back? We'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about it, but you know, it's always, it's just like something that like Lena and I do when we're not crazy busy and we're yeah. both pretty crazy busy. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. But I, fingers crossed. It's, a, it's yeah. so good. Oh, thanks. It's a fun show. I mean, she's a controversial character, but I think we've tried to make a really nice, like well-produced series with her um, about women's lives. You definitely did. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was at BuzzFeed and was having a baby um, and was like I know it's crazy but like I should also start a company <laughs> because <laughs> my friend Max had come to me I had been editing his his um podcast the long form podcast and he came to me and he was like look tell me why we shouldn't start a company together and I was like only because I'm scared <laughs> that was the <laughs> only reason I had and I'm and because I like just hadn't really thought about that but then he sort of like said it in like a like flippant kind of way and then I he put it in my head and I was like we're absolutely doing this and like cool. he was like oh no I don't know about that and I was like yeah we're doing it so he had been talking to people at the New York Times before they had started an audio department they were basically like if you could do any show here what would you do and he had been like well be like Wesley Morris and Jenna Wortham and we'd want them to like do a culture show which became still processing which one which was one of our first shows um and he'd also been talking to Wyden Kennedy about doing some like branded content for them, their big ad firm. Uh, then I had been talking to Lena and she wanted to do another season of the show we started at BuzzFeed, but she didn't want to do it at BuzzFeed. So she was like, can we do it somewhere else? And um, then we had this. And so then we had like 
you know, all these, we had the New York Times, Lena Dunham, and Wyden Kennedy, and then I was like, it's like, it w- why not? We're like, we, we have, have to do these, it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, um, then we were like, let's just, wouldn't it be, like, let's do things that people, like, let's ask for things that are so crazy that people will say no to them and, like, make it a goal to have someone say, like, no, we're not doing that. So <laughs> we decided to email Hillary Clinton's team and just be like, we really like Hillary Clinton. We want her to win. And, um, does, would she ever want to do like a podcast that's just like her talking about what's going on? And they said yes. <laughs> we were like, oh no, like what? We didn't think they were going to say yes. It's crazy. Like now we have to do this thing. So cool. And that show was our our first, like the first few lines that ever came out from our company, Pineapple Street, was my co founder, Max, just like talking to Hillary Clinton and being like, what should I call you? Hillary or like <laughs> secretary? Like that was like. That was like the first thing we ever released. So we had like, yeah, the New York Times, Lena Dunham, Hillary Clinton, and Wyden Kennedy. And we were like, okay, we're absolutely yeah. doing this. Um, so we started the company a month before my son was born, wow. which was pretty insane. Okay, so you're at BuzzFeed. You have this job that sounds like a really dream job. Like you're the director of audio. You're producing shows that you like. You're working with friends and really cool people. But then you have this other thing, a brewing, and really work going to be something great. Things are going well in that direction. But making that transition, especially you're about to have a baby, like that sounds like a lot. How did you mentally handle the the stress of taking uh, taking that leap? Because I, I know I'm doing it. A lot of people listening, like those transitions of going from a full-time job situation to freelancing mentally are are so challenging what advice would you give to yourself back then or someone doing that how did you manage that well I'm not just my advice is not just going to be like just follow your heart because I actually yeah this is where I don't believe you should follow like what my advice is if you really want to do something risky like this have a bunch of money committed to you before you do that you know like I was still at BuzzFeed and we had these four amazing clients like committed to us basically. And that's when I left. So we basically knew where the next year of money was coming from. And that is what made me do it. So like I'm when people leave their jobs with like nothing lined up and no money, I just like really worry about them. Um, I think you have to think really, really hard about it and start to like really see how realistic it is before you do it. Um, and then, you know, get to a point where you realize that like not doing it would be stupid, which is where we were. Yeah. Let's get into pineapple a little bit. So I love the name. I love the office that we're in. How did you and Max come up with the name? (laughs) (laughs) We had a bunch of names we were throwing around and pineapple street is a beautiful street in Brooklyn Heights. And it was sort of like, it was a few things. It was an aspirational title where we're like, if we do really well, we might live on Pineapple Street someday. <laughs> um, also, it's really nice to have an emoji associated with your yeah. company. <laughs> like we, we, I don't think I've written out the word pineapple like in a very, very long time. We just, I just like send that emoji all the time. Um, and you know, pineapple, it's a nice looking thing. It's like tastes good. It tastes good. It's like an international like welcome symbol. Um, it, yeah, just like it looks good. It's we, a very beautiful fruit. It's a beautiful fruit. Yeah. Like I think people should name their companies after beautiful fruits. Yeah. yeah. We're like about to start like a 
this isn't announced yet. Exclusive. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I can't go into too many deals, but I can say that we're going to start like a side company oh, cool. and we're trying to think of other fruits True. for it. <laughs> but like pineapple's definitely yeah. cool. The I coolest. mean, there's a lot of cool emoji fruits, but the name, the actual word is a really good word. Pineapple. Kiwi's pretty good. Kiwi? Yeah. I kind of like that word. Yeah. The emoji's not as pretty for sure. Yeah. I think the emoji kiwi's kind of weak, to be honest. Oh, yeah. It's like a hap. It's, it's like cut. A, yeah, cut yeah. kiwi. Which you have to do because the kiwi without weird. being cut is <laughs> pretty like ugly. Brown <laughs> yeah. ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I, I saw that, that you tweeted this great article that I read the other day and you quoted this part that says the most engaging radio and podcast hosts are those who are authentic and confine in the listener as if they're friends. So you are around a lot of podcast hosts and all of your experience, what do you think makes a great podcast host after editing thousands of hours and being around them? <laughs> um, someone who's charming and appealing and you want to come along for the ride with them. Um, I think in like a, in like a chat show type thing, I don't, I've never really heard one work if the host wasn't at least a little bit funny. <laughs> I think like a good sense of humor is really, really important. Yeah. That's why people loved another round. Like it would, it, it's on hiatus right now, but when it was around, it would just like, I would just like be hysterically laughing. I would be crying, so laughing, funny. recording that show. Like every week they get just really, really drunk and they're like the funniest people in the world. So I think like, yeah, people want to laugh. Um, and I think the most important thing is a genuine curiosity from the host. Mm. So like, I can tell that you're actually like wanting to talk to me right Thank now. <laughs> and that's really good. And I've definitely been on podcasts where like, I can tell that like someone told a person that maybe they should talk to me about something yeah. and like, they didn't look me up and like, don't really know much about me. You can really tell and then the audience can really tell because when you're genuinely curious in, in another person, they can, you know, they open up in a different way. And it's weird. Like I've talked to a lot of people who are like, um, who come in and they want to talk about like a podcast they want to launch and they're like, oh, well, we've, you know, we hear that like small business podcasts are doing well, like about like, you know, running a small business and whatever. And, and I'm like is that what you're interested in? And they're like, oh no, like I'm interested in like, you know, celebrity <laughs> gossip, but like, you know, this is the kind of podcast doing well. And I'm just like, you cannot do, yeah. <laughs> like that's not the podcast for you to host. Um, yeah. I think it's really about like what, what excites people. There's this podcast I love called who weekly. Uh, that's like, so good. Yeah. It's like, um, Lindsay Weber and Bobby finger talking about just about like, uh, celebrity who's which are people who kind of make you say like wait who's that yeah. like people that aren't like super famous and they like do these amazing deep dives on these people that like there's no reason for you to care about them at all but like the the like deep dives they do and like like make it really hilarious and it's just yeah it's like really fun to yeah. listen to it's them that makes it so fun not the content yes exactly and that's the same with there's this show that's so popular now called My Favorite Murder, which is like these two women talking about murderers. Um, but they do it in this like really kind of funny way. They don't always have the facts right. <laughs> um, but like the murder part of it is kind of interesting. But most the thing that really like makes it fun is like that they're like two comedians talking about this thing that they yeah. 
yeah, that they're just like excited about. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm constantly saying that, like with the people I interview, I have to be, or that I talk to, I have to actually like and want to yes, have a conversation. It's totally with. true. Because as soon as I started doing this for a while, and then people wanted to talk about their book or come on the podcast. And I, I just thought that was cool that people were asking. And so I was saying yes. And then it was a terrible conversation, not because <laughs> yeah. of them, but just because I was like not really as into it as I was with all the other ones that I reached out to. Yeah, totally. So I mean, it, and even like, like Fresh Air, which is like the best interview show of all time, basically, yeah. Terry Gross. She gets a million pitches. Everyone yeah. wants to be on that show. And she is only doing the things that she's genuinely interested yeah, in. And you can, you can really tell. Yeah, she's like... She does her research. I mean, and I imagine that there are tons of people who are pitched to her who then, you know, who she starts to research and isn't very interested in and says no to. So, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be excited about what you're talking about. Yeah. She's my hero. I, I was listening to her. I was kind of nervous on the way over, well, the walk over here. So I was listening to, and I just listened to interviews with her. Like there's not that many. And so I listened to them like on repeat whenever I like need a moment because she's like the coziest person to me. Yeah. And she's so great. Yeah. Have you met her? I, have I met her? We've like been at a lot of the same things. Yeah. She and my co-founder Max have become friends. Oh, like cool. he had her on his show, The Long Form Podcast. Yeah, so good. It's a great interview. So good. And now like they hang out when he goes to oh, Philly. Oh, that's so cool. It's really great. I mean, so cool. she's just really cool. And I know that she's a fan of Pineapple's work. She's told people that and that that's like the biggest thrill of my fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's when I grew up on public radio. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh my God. She's really the, the master. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get the number right, but this interview I was listening to on the walk over here, they said how many interviews she's done. And it was something like 150,000. It's probably <laughs> way more than that. Or I don't know. But it was, I remember hearing them being like very impressed of my, when you asked me 200, like compared to Terry yeah, Gross's. She's definitely done thousands. It's so cool. Okay, so on the other side of being a, a host, there's there's the producer. So what makes a good producer? I think I heard you mention once that a good producer wants to produce and a good host wants to host. Can you talk about that? And- yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people get into podcasting because they want to host shows. And when we're hiring, we always are looking for people who want to produce shows. So um and there's a big difference in those two things. Like, I never, ever want to hear my voice on a microphone. I'm like, I, I'm sure this will be like a lovely talk, but I can't <laughs> listen to it. Like, I just, I don't ever want to do that. So, um, yeah, I think we look for people when we're looking for producers who are like really committed to building a story, but who don't need to tell that story themselves. I mean, you're, as a producer, you sort of are the one telling the story yeah. in a lot of ways too. Like, not in your own words, but like we've had shows where we, where our producers write the entire scripts and a host is just reading. We've only done that once and I won't talk about which show that was, but it's like, it's not ideal. You want your host to like write their own scripts, but, um, but yeah, producers do so much of that, of that work. And I think, I don't know, there's something about being a good producer that's, it's like you're looking for a type of person who doesn't mind being in the background of things and um you know not looking for somebody who like needs to be the star basically so it it is a really different skill set for sure and and also 
not everyone should have podcasts, you know? Like, <laughs> this is actually something we tell people a lot, which maybe we shouldn't because it means, like, less business for us. But yeah. a lot of what we do is, like, go into, you know, we'll go into, like, big magazines and they'll be like, we want to do, like, 10 podcasts just because, like, our writers here want to host podcasts about, like, where they just, like, talk about whatever. And we're like, don't do that. Like, not everyone who's a good writer is a good podcast host. Mm-hmm. In fact, many people who are good writers are not good podcast hosts. It's a really different skill set. It's such a different skill set, and people don't really get that. And we always tell people, like, do do a podcast if you, like, really feel like you like desperately need and want to host a podcast, but not just to, like, build your brand or, you know, build your audience. Like, you have to have something to say, and you have to you have to be compelling to listen to. Yeah. Are there any other qualities for a producer of a podcast or any, um, you know, advice you would give to someone who's maybe wanting to start a podcast independently, like something small, like what I'm doing that people should know? Yeah. Well, those, so that second question is, that's a big one. Like people, it it can be really discouraging when you first start a podcast. I'm sure you know that. Like you're like, oh, ten people listened to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you you have to stick with it. Like people, I think people think that like right out the gate they're gonna have you know like fifty thousand listeners or something. Yeah. It takes years and years and years to get to gather listeners, and um, it also takes like improvement. I mean, if you listen to almost any podcast you listen to their early episodes they're just not nearly as good as their recent episodes and so you build an audience as you get better and better too so um yeah I think like if if people out there want to host podcasts just know that it takes a long time to build your audience and um don't get discouraged and host a podcast if you really think you have something to say or if you really like want to talk to people who you think an audience would be really interested in basically yeah I meant to ask you about interviewing and curating guests and speaking to guests what would you what kind of things could you share there yeah well I don't do the interviews myself so I'm not you're around people I am around a lot and I write a lot of prep docs for interviews What we always tell people is don't just read from a list of questions. Like you're doing a good job here because you're Thank doing you. like follow-ups. <laughs> That's what it, a good interview is all about. It's about listening to someone's answer and then following up with a question that relates to that. And then you go back to your list, obviously, and are like, okay, we've finished this subject. I'm going on to another one. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've definitely been interviewed by people who like are reading from a question list um, and like, uh, Max was just Max my co-founder was just telling me the other day about an interview he had where <laughs> someone was like where he listened back to it and the person was like talking about like like a lot of my work I think is affected by like my father who died and wow I've never even thought about that until this moment and then Max is like jumps in and is like so where'd you go to grad school <laughs> and he says it was like his worst interview moment because yeah, I mean, he had, like, a great opportunity. Someone was really opening up, and he just cut him off. And you you hear that in, like, bad interviews all the time. <laughs> You're like, that's what's so great about Terry Gross is, like, she's always asking the next question that you want her to ask. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah. 
you're like, oh, like there's, wait, there's something like left unsaid. And then she asks the thing that will answer mm-hmm. that left unsaid question. Because I think she's listening. So she's so present. Totally. And she's so listening. She talks about how she closes her eyes a lot during interviews because she's not, she's specifically not in person with yeah, I, which is another really interesting thing. Like, I think everyone imagines that she's like just sitting totally. across the table from someone like we are now. Yeah. But even if someone is in Philadelphia where she's based, she does not want to be in person with yeah. them. Because that's, I mean, that's her style and I totally respect that yeah. like yeah I grew up going to Catholic school and there's confession where you can like do it face to face or with without and it's kind of like that like I think people are more real when they're not having to look in oh, yeah, the eye with someone or you can and when I was living in Michigan I started this podcast doing them all remotely and then I think there is something I think the experience is more memorable like I think we'll remember today maybe in six months of like oh yeah I came and you're wearing a cool striped shirt and we saw each other <laughs> yeah. on the street but we maybe wouldn't have remembered this interaction as much on Skype. But I talk about this in the workshop that there's pros and cons of doing it both ways. Yeah. And it can work for a podcast in both ways. So do, is your workshop an interview workshop? I, I, yeah, I talk about interviewing and I talk about like having an independent podcast throughout. There's like eight modules and I've been interviewing people like you and lots of different people about. You should field. interview yourself for this because <laughs> I think a lot of people's question is like, how will I make any money off of this? Yeah. And, You've brought in your own sponsors, and yeah. you know it's not like it's not like you're gonna be a multimillionaire all of a sudden. But like you've, yeah, I think like that's that's a question a lot of people ask me, and it's like you have a podcast, and you can just start like emailing interesting brands and charging them like really low rates for yeah. you know to advertise on the show, and then maybe put two or three ads in a show, and then you're okay. That's exactly what I've done, and it's funny because one of my friends has a comedy podcast that he gets you know it's not his full-time thing he has a tv show too but he makes a lot of money for his podcast because it's huge and I was like well maybe I could reach out to some of those same people they would just pay me less and that's what I realized like brands I think this is and I'm sure I want to hear what you think about this I think brands are it's kind of the wild west of podcasting for a lot of brands and so they're almost throwing money at podcasts because they want to be associated with doing podcasts and they'll just that's pay. not gonna last you, but yeah take advantage of but they're it. paying like le- different they'll work with as many as they want they'll just pay them less money right. if they're smaller totally yeah so no, i'm it's, totally taking advantage of that yeah we're it's like it's the only industry right now where people are actively like trying to advertise on it yeah you know? <laughs> like usually you have to like really chase people down but, um, you know, which doesn't mean that, like, people are, like, th- necessarily, like, throwing Yeah, maybe that wasn't the right word. That was a little bit much. <laughs> no, but, like, yeah, but it's, you know, if you had, like, a blog and told someone that you wanted them to advertise, I don't think it would be nearly as appealing no. as, you know. I mean, you also have to know how to frame it. Like, I have a friend who's doing a show for, like, women in their 30s and 40s, which is, like, a great group of people to spend yeah. money. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a group of people who love to spend money. It's sort of, like... Um, like upper income like 30s and 40s women so she she drops that to these places that she won't she she wants to advertise she's like 
it's like kind of upper income women in their 30s and 40s. And they're like, okay, how much money do you want? So I think you also know how to, you have to know how to frame your show in a way that like is going to be appealing for advertising. Totally. And I think also if it's something that I'm genuinely, I genuinely really love and the sponsor knows that, like for instance, there's this company that should be getting paid to talk about it right now, but (laughs) it's the shower cap company and I like never wash my hair. And so I (laughs) was using those shitty hotel shower caps and saving them for what's the company called shower cap with like a bunch of uh h's and a bunch of e's <laughs> okay a very it's very cool and it's this really quality shower cap that looks pretty cool and like doesn't let your hair get wet anyway yeah well that's and, and that's similar to like you want to interview people you're actually interested exactly in. people can exactly tell. there are some shows i won't call them out but where you can just tell that they're it's not, not a at fit. all interested yeah. and you're like why are you and i'm also like why is the advertiser like what do they think they're gonna get out I of know. this when somebody's like reading a cast for mattress ad and obviously just trying to like fly through it and that's actually a thing we do with all of our hosts of our shows is we ask them like are there brands that you want to be aligned with because those are definitely the first that's those are the first places to go like with lena you know we did like a big thing with clinique which is a company that she likes and we did a big thing we had a big deal with um a big like advertising deal with mailchimp and that's actually where she started her lenny letter and So, yeah, so it, those, having like a good fit makes sense. And she, she actually, she sleeps on a Casper mattress, which was crazy. (laughs) So then Casper wanted to sponsor it. So, um, and she actually really likes her Casper mattress. So, yeah, so we, I think that's an interesting, I mean, you can't always get the advertisers that you really want the most, but it's a really good place to start. And like everyone we talk to, I mean, we're working on a new show with Hillary Clinton and, um, and we were like, what are the, you know, what are like five brands that you'd want to sponsor this? And she gave us five like amazing brands that have really great reputations. And um, and those are the places we'll start. It's like you get to know the host. So if you you'll know what they actually like and you can tell, which is the great part about podcasting. But it's easy to be disingenuous with that stuff where totally. if you don't know the host as well. It wouldn't it wouldn't work out. Yeah. So. With the speed of and the growth of podcasting in the past five years specifically, I'd love to know about where you see the future. And I think I've heard you talk about the intersection of podcasting and and Hollywood and where where do you see it growing? Maybe where do you see it in the next 10 years? Yeah, so I think a really fun thing that's happening right now is that people are seeing the like intellectual property potential in podcasts. So like Gimlet has a bunch of shows that are being turned into movies and TV. Like they just had Julia Roberts sign on to two seasons of their show. Um, they had this fiction show called Homecoming. They're, it's now being turned into an Amazon uh, TV series with Julia Roberts as the star and like Dylan McDermott and Alex Karpofsky and all these like really cool people. Yeah. Um, they also have had uh, their like first show startup is now optioned into like an ABC comedy Zach with Zach Braff. Braff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so people are really seeing the potential, the, the like intellectual property potential. So a lot of the things we're working on, we basically get paid a set amount to make products that are going to be primarily owned by other places. So we'll have like a Hollywood studio or like a big production company hire us to make like missing Richard Simmons, which they then own and can develop it into whatever they want afterwards. And 
we've made it for them, but we're not cut into the deal. Now we are more and more. So now we're trying, now we're basically like doing projects where um, we'll create really interesting intellectual property, but we'll maybe own like 25% of it. And um, we're now going to go into business with like basically... I can't talk too much about it, but like my favorite, like basically like my favorite filmmaker, cool. we're going to like go into a business with them and oh, that's so cool. yeah, we're going to make these like big, beautiful series that like they then, you know, maybe like one out of five, they'll try to turn into a, a movie. Oh my God. I'm so excited. It's going to be really amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was so cool. like, it's like a total dream, but yeah. So I think the funding models are changing a bit because like we're not you know, we're not respond. We're, we're basically, we do kind of like production for hire type things. We're like, we're like, we can make a really beautiful product. You pay us a bunch of money up front and then you can figure out the ad stuff and how to make money off of it. And we'll just figure out like how to make it awesome basically. Yeah. So yeah. So people are, I think paying more money for, to like know that they're going to own this like really exciting intellectual property that they can then turn into other things. Yeah. Okay, a couple quick yeah. questions. We'll do these quickly. I want to know, we talked a bit about interviewing, podcasting, and producing. What about documentary-style podcasting and storytelling? What should people keep in the back of their mind when, when making something like that? What yeah. would be your greatest advice? And that's actually kind of like what we're moving into doing that almost exclusively. Like we're pretty much going to like drop all of our like chat chat shows and interview shows and just move into like kind of serial s town style things cool um a thing to know is take your time <laughs> that shit takes a long time to yeah. make like an s town takes you know that took them i think almost four years serial took like three years and huge teams of people yeah. you have to really like commit resources and it's not easy to make those things um and that's the thing with producers too like I used to think that, like, the best thing we could get, you know, like, the best producer is, like, somebody who has, like, great technical skills, but it's really somebody who can, like, tell a beautiful story. So just, um, if you're going to do, like, a big sweeping series, uh, know that it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources, a lot of people, and you have to have a story that is, like, really, really, really worth telling, um. I mean, everyone loves crime stories right now. We're trying to not do, like, just, like, murder stories, yeah. even though we know they do really well. But, um, you know, if you have a great murder story, that's probably going to do well. Do you still listen to podcasts and audio content when you're, like, in your free time, or are you listening to music? I listen um, almost exclusively to NPR News, and I use the NPR One app to do that, which like curates the best news of the day yeah. not the best and it's probably cozy to you because you grew up with it yes totally yeah. yeah there's something about whatever you listen to growing up I think and I just love news like I that's always my my thing I like I love news and politics do you listen to the daily I have listened to the daily and it's I think it's really great um yeah. I think like nothing can really pull me away from my NPR yeah. habit <laughs> yeah I listened to both. They're both good. Yeah. Okay. You somewhat recently became a parent and started your company at the same time, which we, which we talked about already. What has parenting taught you about yourself and just in general? Greatest oh, wow. lesson, maybe. Parenting makes you a lot more patient because um, you're dealing with like a maniac all day <laughs> and you have to be chill about it. He's almost two now. Um, 
I mean, I just, I didn't even, yeah, to tell you the truth, I, I, I never really like wanted to be a parent that much, but I married someone who did. And, uh, I, and I'm like really like glad I did it. Um, mm-hmm. but I also think that it's not for everybody just like podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's like, it's great to not have kids and it's great to have kids. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> it changes your life a lot. That was really well said. <laughs> Okay, we always talk about social media and technology a little bit. So how do you balance your relationship with social media, the internet in like general? A, like addiction to me too? Yeah, addiction to your phone. And like yeah. how do you how do you balance that? I'm not great at I'm not great at it. <laughs> yeah. Um but I'm also like uh I'm not yeah, I don't I don't care that much about social media. Like I'm terrible at Twitter. Like I just usually like retweet something that interests me. And, um, most of my Instagram is mostly like my kid doing goofy things, which is great. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just honestly, like, I think I'm so busy. I don't have that much time to be like, um, yeah, I don't have nearly the time I used to have like just fuck around on Twitter. Do you leave your phone on the weekends or like when you're not at work, do you do like time off your phone? How do you handle it? <laughs> it's like something I've been talking about. Yeah. Right? But yeah, I'm, I should try doing that more. Being doing so much and being a parent and an entrepreneur and all of these things. How do you how do you handle stress? How do you do you? meditate do you go to therapy like what are how what are you what are we doing mentally to make everything happen and be such a well-adjusted human (laughs) I don't know how (laughs) well-adjusted I am I eat too much that makes me feel better but I've (laughs) recently started going to a personal trainer um my business partner and I decided that like that we should like that like that's such an important thing for our mental health that we were gonna like pay for it from the business which is which is legal in your taxes so I'm not doing anything bad (laughs) so we both yeah we both started seeing a trainer and we have like just trying to be healthy that's amazing I walk a lot I get a lot of ideas walking it's the best part of New York I think oh yeah totally my favorite part of living I wanted to ask you that too what's your favorite and least favorite part of living in New York um (laughs) New York to me is like I'm like married to New York like it's like to me it's like almost perfect um I, like yesterday I turned to my wife and I was like I was like why hasn't the city figured out like how to plow fucking snow like we have snow all the time it's not big news like why why is it like all over the news and everyone's talking about it and like and like it's messy and like no one's plowed and I was like oh my god like I've never said anything negative about New York <laughs> that was like the first thing so I'd say thing that bothers me is that they don't always plow snow quickly enough (laughs) and almost everything else is perfect actually I was just thinking about this because I was thinking about just like how exciting and wonderful the city is but also that it's like it, it but I also have like a beautiful quiet apartment like it's it's not just this like craziness all the time it's like craziness and you go home and you're cozy and that's really nice and like on Friday night, my friend Liz went to see a 90-year-old tap dancer who once a year now does a show and you have to email her Earthlink account. Oh my God. And you have to God. be one of the first 50 people a year to email her Earthlink account. And that's I how you get go. in. Yeah. Where else would that happen? You go no to her way. like Soho loft and she tap dances. That happened Friday night. Saturday night, I went to see Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, which was incredible. And fucking Barack Obama was there. No way. <laughs> In the box seat right above me. At the end, he just started waving and everyone <laughs> lost their minds. Oh, my 
my god and then um oh and then like my coworker was telling me on sunday she went to see this like gospel choir at joe's pub which is like this really great like tiny venue um in manhattan and like for their last right there yeah oh cool yeah and for their last song they pulled carly simon on stage and she sang with them like where else does this happen and just like the people you meet every day are amazing and inspiring like i'm just i mean i have so many like brilliant wonderful friends here and like it just is actually a place where like you can dream big and i don't think it's for everyone i think it's for really ambitious people Mm. and like if you're ambitious you, there's so much opportunity for you here and if you're not it's not the place to be <laughs> yes oh you said so many things that i'm so glad that you said it's i know it's it's also very it can be a hard place to live it's not like it's not particularly beautiful it's like loud and like you know crazy and chaotic but it's like to me it's just like a dream me too it's so magical <laughs> did you always want to live here as a kid not at all. Really? Yeah, my whole family's from here. So we were here all the time, and I was like, I thought it was just, like, disgusting wow. and weird. <laughs> Did you? Yes, always. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, because you were probably really far from it. Yeah, yeah. I never really came here, and it always. I think if I hadn't moved here, I always would have wondered what it would have been like to live totally. here. So I had to just do it. My family's all from these, like, tiny little, like queen, like, tenements in Queens, too. And so it was, like, a really, like, just sad and poor... <laughs> place than when I visited it and I didn't really know like yeah but then and we but we'd have fun we would my mom is like she's such a scammer I love her but she would always sneak us into the second half of Broadway shows so I saw like the second half of tons of shows for free we would just like sit down and like and people would be like oh those aren't your seats but like let us help you find this and which she'd be like i forget where we were sitting and then they would just like find us like available seats and it, we did it all the time and so that was that was fun for me but new york also when i was a kid was like times square was like just like porn shops basically really yeah totally i mean that all changed in the 90s um, but like when I was a little kid in like the late 80s and early 90s i just remember being like this place is disgusting yeah Wow. Um, okay. I know you have to go. So, so many things that I wanted to ask you. I'm going to ask you the final question, but quickly, somebody told me, because I always ask about New York, and I think you'll like this. Somebody said that New York is like a circuit, and you can at any time plug into anything you want to plug into, or you can also be alone in your apartment. So and true. I loved that. I love that. Anyway. Okay. So, this podcast is called Let It Out. I know that I wanted to ask you more things to have you let out, so we'll have to do this again another time. But is there anything else that you wish that I would have asked or you wanted to mention today that you want to ring you dry for all of your No, this wisdom? was really fun. You're really good at this. Thank Keep you doing so it. Much. Thank you. So that means so much for me. Thank no, you you're so really, much. You're, it's like very conversational. Oh, good. Well, I had a blast and I could keep talking to you, so this oh, was great. For, thanks for coming here. Thank you so much, and thanks for letting us record here. Yeah. That was my conversation with the wonderful, delightful Jenna Weiss-Berman. I didn't have as much time with her as I wanted, but I loved talking to her, and I hope to talk to her again. She's very cool, and I really like her a lot. I will get to the emoji for this week's episode in a second, but first I want to remind you, if you like this podcast, if you're still listening right now, it would be so cool if you could do a couple things to support the show. First of all, if you know someone 
who would also like it, share it with them. It's really easy to do that on your iPhone. You just scroll down. I don't know exactly what it is because I don't have my phone in front of me, but you guys are smart. You can figure it out. Share it with a friend. Also subscribe. That helps more people find the show. It helps with the algorithm. So actually subscribing on your phone is super helpful. Join the listener Facebook group that the link to that is in the show notes, and it's a great way to connect with other people who listen to the podcast, connect with me. It's a really cool community over there. I love, it's my only place on Facebook that I actually visit. I don't really use Facebook other than this group, so check it out. Join that. Hopefully, I will see you on Thursday of this week at The Wing. If you are a member of The Wing, I cannot wait to talk about podcasting with a couple of my friends and people that I don't even know yet. I'm very excited to lead that panel. And what else? Oh, I knew I meant to tell you something in the intro, but I forgot and I don't want to re-record it, but it is this. I was starting to say, follow me on Instagram. I'm at Katie Dilba, and maybe you already do. Cool. But follow LaunchPod on Instagram. I made a new Instagram for my online workshop, LaunchPod, and I haven't really posted that much there yet other than stories, but I'm doing a Instagram Live on that account this week, and I'm going to start curating some really cool photos on that page. I've got photos of Terry Gross, who we geek out about in this episode. I have photos of just all sorts of things. It's going to be cool. I'm going to be posting there more and I would love for you to follow along if you want to you know that would be really cool so that's at launchpod the link is in the show notes if you do want to start a podcast and you want to do launchpod sign up now because the early bird pricing will go away and also you can save a hundred dollars if you use the code let it out at checkout that's let it out but the reason I'm back talking about this course isn't just to remind you which it is but also I forgot to mention in the beginning something important that this course offers which is that not only are you going to get the eight modules from me not only are you going to get the Facebook community I'm going to be doing two live calls where we talk about podcasting we workshop your ideas it's going to be really fun it's going to be this great community and also you'll get the the 12 plus experts I'm constantly interviewing new people and it'll be updated and you'll have a lifetime access but the reason I'm back talking about this is because I forgot to tell you about the coolest element of this of all which is that after nine months everyone who does the course has the opportunity to submit to me a episode of a podcast that they've made so it can be a clip of an episode it can be a full flushed out episode but you just submit it to me and then I will pick one winner a semester a year and I will air that episode on this podcast channel where a bunch of people listen so then that way you'll automatically get to share your episode with my following with my listeners with my this group that we've created here so that's really cool and that's an incentive not only to gain some traction gain some potential listeners get some ears on the new thing that you made but also more importantly it's a way for you to actually have some accountability and some incentive to follow through on a thing that you made that you spent time on that you learned about and actually make something not just take a workshop that you did once and forget about it i want everyone who does launch pod to launch a pod 
So that's just a thing I wanted to tell you. Definitely support Jenna. Follow her on Twitter. Follow her on Instagram. Follow everything that Pineapple Street Media does because obviously you just heard they're very cool and she is a delight. I love you. Thank you for listening. The emoji for this week's episode is obviously the pineapple. So comment that on Jenna's Twitter and Instagram and on mine and tell us what you thought of this episode and I will talk to you next week. I love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. I have to tell you about one of my favorite brands, Cara Vitamins. You might already know and love them like I do, but if not, Care-of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. Vitamins can fill the important gaps your body might be missing from its food or give you an extra boost where you need it. To figure out what supplements can help you feel your best, simply go to Care-of's website and you take this super short, fun quiz. It asks you questions about your lifestyle, everything from how much you sleep to how much you poop, and from there, it recommends to you in minutes exactly what vitamins can help you feel your best. All the recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from doctors and nutritionists. I love the packaging and design of everything Care-of makes. Your supplements will come to you in these beautiful, individually wrapped, personalized packets. I love them when I'm traveling and really just every day since I'm always on the go. And I think you will love them too. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter the code Katie. Again, that's for 25% off your first month of personalized Cara vitamins. Visit takecareof.com and enter the code Katie. That's K-A-T-I-E, just in case you didn't know how to spell my name. The music you're hearing behind me now and all other original music in this episode is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. The album art is by artist Zoe Harmon, and this podcast is produced and edited by Amanda Sharp and hosted by me, Katie Delbout. Check out our website for show notes to everything mentioned.